So uh, I want to welcome you back to our final week in our teaching series called Resolutions, Changing the Way We Change. And, uh, and I want to tell you next week, I'm super excited because we're going to start a 10-week journey together through the book of Mark. So if you open up your Bibles in the New Testament, there's Matthew, Mark, the second book, second gospel in the New Testament, and we're going to spend the next 10 weeks traveling through the book of Mark together. We're going to look at some of the big stories in the book of Mark, and we're going to look at some of the major themes. And so I would love for you to be here and be with us uh, for that. Uh, It's just going to be a really neat time of just taking a book of the Bible and walking through it together. And so uh, so be uh, looking forward to that next week. If you're worshiping online with us today, we want to again say welcome to you, and we want to let you know it is Communion Sunday. So if you want to grab uh, some communion elements, if you want to grab some juice and some bread for later on in the worship service, Uh, so you can be ready for that. That would be great. And so we've been talking about this idea of changing the way we change, right? Like we said, hey, it's the new year. This is often the time when we decide to make changes in our lives. And so we wanted to Uh, We wanted to have a biblical foundation for the changing the way that we change, and uh, we've been looking at some truths about changing the way that we change, and uh, and I just wanted to do a real quick recap. Uh, In week one, uh, we said this, we said that it's not a um, a project, but that it's a process, and so that first icon over there uh, reminds us with the arrows that that, that living the Christian life is not a one-and-done project, it's not something that you do on a Saturday afternoon and then you're done, but it's a lifelong process process. So it's not a project, it's a process. Uh, And the second week we realize it's not achieving, but that it's receiving. That in the world that we live in, it says that you have to achieve first and then receive the reward. But Jesus says it backwards and he's like, no, you receive all that I have for you and then you can accomplish my will. And so it's, uh, it's not achieving, it's receiving. In week three, we discovered that it's not in our trying but in our training that God makes us able to do what he's called us to do. And, uh, and last week we talked about how it's not a competition, but rather it's a calling. That this life that we live in, again, the world says it's all about competition. It's all about one-upping the person next to you. It's all about comparing and keeping up with the people around you. But we said, no. We said it's not a competition, it's a calling, and God has called each of us to live this life on purpose. And, uh, and we've been, uh, before we jump into our final truth, our fifth truth for this series, uh, I want to go back to Colossians one more time, Colossians chapter 2, and we've been looking at verses 6 through 10 together, specifically 6 and 7, and I've been encouraging you and inviting you to memorize this scripture with me, but, uh, but here's what it says, I just want to read it to, uh, with you one more time, and it says, so then... Just as you received, everybody say received. Received. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, just as you learned about Jesus, just as you have uh, invited Jesus into your life. And then it says, continue. Everybody say continue. Continue Continue to live your lives in him. So it's not a project. It's a process. We continue to live our lives in Jesus. Then verse 7, Paul goes on and says, rooted and built up in him strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. This idea of that it's not trying, it's training, it's, it's, it's doing spiritual disciplines, it's training yourself up to live the Christian life. And so build yourself up, be rooted in him and built up and strengthened in the faith. And then verse
verse 8 goes on and Paul gives a warning. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. That's that whole competition. That's that whole comparison thing. Don't get caught up in the, in the philosophies of the world, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So, so he's, he's given a warning. He's like, listen, the world's going to throw some things at you. He's like, church, pay attention because the world's going to try and twist some truths, going to try and deceive you. And you need to be aware of that and be, be cautious of that and make sure that no one takes you captive. And then in verse 9, and we talked about this last week, he said, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity, all the fullness of God lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. And last week, we dived into that passage right there and reminded ourselves that everything that was in God was in Jesus, and everything that is in Jesus is in those who believe, right? And we talked about that. We talked really in depth about that, that everything that God is and in, 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 in wants is also in Jesus, and that is in us. And so, uh, so we've been hanging out here, and, and, and this life uh, that we talked about, we said, hey, we're not going to compete, but it's a calling. And our final truth for today, and this is important because I, I share about the calling because we're going to continue to think about this idea of calling because our final truth is about all about understanding what that calling is all about. What is that calling that God has placed on our lives to get, and to get us thinking, let me just ask you a few questions this morning. They're rhetorical. You don't have to answer them out loud, but I want you to think about them. And the first question is this, what good in the world would you do if you had the perfect circumstances in your life right now? Like what good in the world would you do if everything was perfect, if you had unlimited resources, if you had uh, better genetics maybe, or if you had the perfect job, or if you had an unending bank account, what purpose could God accomplish in your life if you had total freedom? Like nothing was holding you back. A job wasn't holding you back. Kids weren't holding you back. Parents weren't holding you back. Money wasn't holding you back. What good could you do in the world today if you had the perfect circumstances? And the reality, the reality is so often we look at our circumstances, we look at our lives, we, we reflect on our lives, and we come to the conclusion when God asks us to do something, or when we come to the conclusion when, when you're at church and you feel like God's leading you to something, and here's what our response often is. It's this, it's I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. I would do that if I had time, but I don't have time, so I won't. I would do that if I had the finances, but I don't have the finances, so I won't. I would do that if I didn't have to take care of my kids, but I do, so I won't. And so often we respond to God's calling on our lives with I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. Like our teenagers ask us, will you buy me a brand new car? And we respond really quickly, I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. Or maybe our spouse asks us, will you take me on a trip around the world? And you respond quickly, I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. And we laugh. We laugh at that. We're like, yeah, if my kid ever asked me for a brand new car, obviously that's what I'd say. But, but here's the deal. This is how so many of us respond to God when he calls us to do something 
or when a need arises right in front of us and we're called to meet it. We say to God, I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. I would if I could, but God, I, I just can't do that right now, so I won't. But today, today I want us to flip that around. Like, I want to flip the script today. And I, I was reminded of a quote from Chuck Swindoll who once said, if you cannot do the good that you would do, do the good that you can do. If you can't do the good that you would do, do the good that you can do. So here's our fifth and final truth in changing the way we change. And it goes like this. It's not what you would, it's what you can. It's not what you would, it's what you can. It's not what you would do if you could, it's what you can do with what you have. And so today we want to exchange the what could be for what can be. And because of who God is and because of what God's doing and because of his calling on our lives. And last week I shared with you, I talked to you about how many people will come up to me and many people will ask, how can I know what God has called me to do? How can I know what my purpose is? How do I, how do I know what God's will for my life is? And I want to share with you this morning really practically four facts like just four facts about your calling that I think you really need to know so that the next time God calls you to something, you don't respond with, I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. Instead, you'll respond with, I may not be able to do it all, but I'll do what I can. And so here's the, fact that, the first fact that I want you to know about your calling. And it's simply this. You've got to realize that your calling is active and not passive. That your calling is active and it's not passive, that God has a calling on each of our lives. And I want you to hear that even on your kids' lives, that God has a calling on their lives. And God has a calling on your life as well. Ephesians, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, he says these words, he says, for we are what? God's handiwork. Just think about that. You're God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And when, when the light bulb goes off and we realize that God has a purpose for our lives and that it's not a competition, that we don't have to compare our spiritual lives to other people, but that doesn't mean that we just sit back. It doesn't mean that we just sit back and wait for it to happen. Like, okay, I got a plan. God's got a plan. I'm just going to wait for him to write it on the wall. And you just sit there. Right? God's not called us to just sit on the couch and wait. We've got to pursue his calling in our lives. Like there's a part that we play. There's action that we must take. And I tell people all the time, every day you and I, that we have a choice we have a choice whether to pursue God's calling in our life that day or to ignore it. We have an option to say, God, I want to know where you want me to be today. I want to be the person that you want me to be today. I'm pursuing you, God. I'm pursuing your calling in my life. I want what you want for me. And, uh, and so I was thinking about who can I give you an example of this? And Gideon in the Old Testament is a great example of this. Uh, if you don't know the story of Gideon, let me just recap real quick. The Israelites uh, who... Um, Believe it or not, you won't be surprised, but they've drifted from God once again. 
And, uh, and so they've sinned against God. And, and at the harvest time during Gideon's life, every time at harvest time, each year God would allow the Midianites to, uh, to invade Israel and to destroy all the crops. Like they would come in and destroy the crops, they'd destroy the animals, and then they would be in a famine because they didn't have any food. And so God sends an angel to Gideon. God sends an angel to Gideon, to Gideon that he, to tell him that he would be his champion. He's like, Gideon, you're going to be my champion, promising Gideon a victory over the Midianites. And you know what Gideon says? You know what his response was? Gideon's response was what ours is often. Lord, I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. Lord, I want to, and I would if I could, but I can't. So I won't. So let me read to you Judges chapter 6, verse 11 through 14. Uh, Here's where it happens. In verse 11, it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak, and Oprah that belonged to Joaz, uh, the Abra, and this one I can never say right, Abzerite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So, So Gideon's there hiding. He's hiding the food from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, I'd love that. Like, I would love for an angel to show up in my bathroom when I'm like trying to talk myself out of something and say, Rick, the angel of the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Like, every guy in here is like, yeah. Like, I want someone to show up and call me a mighty warrior. And, uh, and so that's what the angel says to Gideon. And, and here's Gideon's response. He's like, um, Pardon me, Lord. And that's what it says. It says, pardon me, Lord, but if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Gideon's like, have you not seen what's been going on? Like, have you not been paying attention? Where's all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of the Midian. And the Lord turned to him and check out what Jesus says. So so Gideon's like, yeah, I don't believe it. Like, mighty warrior, I'm not buying it. Like, have you not seen what's been going on? Like, where is this mighty God that delivered the Israelites? Where is this mighty God that split the Red Sea? Where is this mighty God that, that helped conquer and give the promised land? Like, where is this God? And the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? So Gideon's response is, I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. And the Lord's response back to him is, go in the strength that you have. Go with what I've given you and save Israel out of the Midianites' hand. Am I not sending you? And we get Gideon's struggle. Like, we understand it because God calls us maybe to do something. Maybe there's that homeless person that God's tugging on your heart to feed, or, or maybe there's that family that really needs some help, or maybe there's that couple that's struggling and you, God's calling you to invest in them. And, and we get it because God calls us to, to do something, and we think, that's crazy. I don't have time for that. God, do you not see that I have like 4.2 kids and a dog? I don't have time for this. Or do you not know that my bank account is like zero dollars? I don't have time for this. Do you not, have you not seen? my schedule at work. I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. And we make excuses. And God's response is the same to us as it was to Gideon, but I've called you. He's like, I have called, I have equipped, I have empowered, I have given you all that you need to accomplish my will in your life. And it goes back to last week. Remember when, we, when uh, God, when Jesus was full of what God had, and so we who believe in Jesus are full of what Jesus had, which was full of what God has. We've got everything we need. 
to live the Christian life. And that's where God's saying to Gideon, dude, you've got everything you need. I've called you. So if I've called you, I've equipped you, and I've empowered you. You see, fulfilling your calling requires active participant participation and something that God's already completed in you. And from his perspective on heaven, it's already done. And now he's completing it through you here on earth. So our, requi- our, our calling requires action. Everybody say action. action. Now lift up your hand and say action. action. See, you just did something. That's what it is. It means doing something. Uh, and we read on in Judges chapter 6, verses 15 and 16. And check out what Gideon says. Gideon says again, I love this. He's so polite. He's like, pardon me, Lord. And he's like, pardon me, Lord. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. So, so Gideon's here again saying, I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. Because look at my family. We're the weakest tribe. And out of, the, out of my tribe, I'm the weakest family. And out of my family, I'm the weakest one. How in the world can I do this? And the Lord answered him saying, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. And see, you see, Gideon's in this vicious cycle of cop-outs and excuses and comparisons. He's right here. He's like, look at my family. Look at my tribe. Compared to the other 11 tribes, my tribe's the weakest one. It's the loser tribe. Like, we're all the, we're just the losers in the group. And I'm the weakest of them all. How in the world can I, I'm comparing and I'm, and, and the death of contentment, the death of success is comparing ourselves to others. And that's what he's stuck in is this vicious cycle of making excuses and comparing and God interjects with a command, with a calling. You see, we don't find our calling by questioning why God has not done what, he, what you think he should do. We find our calling by answering God with a heart that says, God, if you call me, I'll go. If you ask me, I'll do it. It's no longer I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. Now it's like you call me, so I will, no matter what? Listen, the people God uses, and if you look at the Bible, you can, you can check me out on this. Test me. Read the Bible. The people that God uses to do mighty things and to do ordinary things don't necessarily have the best circumstances. Look at Moses. He had a stuttering problem, right? He couldn't communicate, and God calls him to be his mouthpiece. You look at other people in the Bible, Joseph, and you look at David. David was the runt of the litter. You look at all these people that God used. They didn't have the best circumstances. They didn't have the best stuff. They didn't have the biggest bank accounts, but they made the most of what they had. And Jesus is saying, no more. I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't because I have called you. And my calling means that I have equipped you and I've empowered you to do what I've called you to do. You have everything you need. So our calling is active, not passing. The second truth I want you to know is this, that your calling is plural, not single, singular. And what do I mean by that? I mean that God tells Gideon in verse 16 that we'll strike the Midians down together. And Gideon didn't have to live out his calling on his own. And you don't have to live out your calling on your own either. That's why I love the local church. That's why I've invested my life in the local church. There's a lot of things I could do. I could go be a lawyer and I could make money and then I could give that money to the church. But I'm passionate about the local church and what God has called the local church to do because we can accomplish far more together than we can on our own. We're better together, and we are the best when we are living out our calling together. 
Like Warehouse Church will be at its best. Warehouse Church, no matter what the plumbing situation is, will be at its best when we are living out our calling together in unity. And listen, we need each other. And, and when we live out our calling together, there's nothing that we cannot accomplish for God. You might say, Rick, Pastor Rick, the 90%, like we want to reach the 90%. That's a big goal. Like maybe we should start like with 5% and work our way up. And God's like, no. Like if you will live out your calling together, there's nothing you can't accomplish. We become unstoppable. So your calling is not singular, it's plural. Number three is this, your calling is not present, or is present, not future. This one's huge. Your calling is present, not future, because a lot of people think of their calling as something they'll do one day. They say something like, when I retire, I'll live out my calling. When the kids are gone and off my payroll, I'll live out my calling. When I have so many, do- so many dollars in my bank account, then I'll live out my calling. But the world isn't transformed by what you will do one day. The world is transformed by what you will do today. So we can't wait until all the circumstances are perfect. We can't keep putting God off. We can't keep saying, I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. But I will one day. That's not what we do. Your calling is present, not future. We have to see that what we are doing right now is our calling. We can't live our lives telling ourselves, well, I'm just stuck in this nine to five job right now, but one day I'll work with the church. One day I'll live out my calling. We can't keep saying, I'm just raising these kids right now, but one day when they graduate, uh, we're gonna take off together and we're gonna live out our calling. We can't say, uh, you can't keep putting your calling on consignment. Like, don't defer God's calling in your life. Don't say, when I have X amount of dollars in the bank, I'll begin my calling. When I read the entire Bible, then I'll begin my calling from cover to cover. Uh, when, I be, uh, you know, when, I, when, I, uh, when I get my act together, then I will live out my calling. Listen, Jesus doesn't care if you have your act together or not. He will equip you and empower you right where you are. It's never I would if I could. It's always I will with what I have. Can you just say that with me? It's never, say it's never. I would if I could. It's always I will with what I have. You see, God takes a little and he makes something great out of it. And it's serving God out of what you have. And the funny thing is, is this, is that the evil one, the evil one never whispers in your ear and never tells you not to live out your calling. Like the evil one never says, hey, don't live out your calling. That's not what he does. The evil one whispers in your ears things like this. Hey, Sarika, you're not ready yet. Or the evil one will whisper in your ear. Hey, hey, hey. Let me see who I can pick on. Hey, Alex, your life is a mess right now. You're not ready. It's not a mess. I'm just throwing it at you. He never says that or he doesn't call out to you and say, Chuck, Chuck, you can't afford it right now. He doesn't whisper those things. That's the thing, or those are the things that he whispers. He doesn't care about your calling. He just wants to keep you from doing it. And so he'll whisper those kinds of things in our ears. And you got to ignore it. And so start with what you have. When I was starting in ministry, so I started in student ministry right out of college. And, and I went kicking and screaming. I'm a preacher's kid. So my dad was a preacher, and I wanted nothing to do with ministry. 
Like I saw the underbelly of the church and said, I'm out. I don't want it. I don't want any part of it. I would listen to his stories. He would come home uh, just frustrated after meetings. And I was like, I don't want any part of that. And so I was like, I was, I was working at a hot dog, basically a hot dog stand in Florida. And I was slinging hot dogs with a, with a bachelor's degree in criminology, slinging hot dogs. My mama was so proud of me. And, uh, and, and, sh- and, and my church was hiring a student pastor, uh, uh, someone who would invest in students. And people kept telling me, you know what, Rick, you should, I was volunteering with students. They're like, you should do that. Like, you should apply for the job. I'm like, oh, no, that's not for me. The God could never use me. I wouldn't even know where to begin. I can't do that. I was saying things like, I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. Well, one day I got so tired of making chili dogs that I sent my resume in. And that day I got a call from the pastor. He called me Rice. He couldn't understand the two C's, R-I-C-C. I hear him coming down the hall, Rice Connor, because he talked like that because he was from like Mississippi or something. Rice Connor, you come down here. So I walked down into his office. He hired me on the spot. And I fell in love with student ministry for the next 20 years. Like fell in love with it. Couldn't imagine doing anything else for the next 20 years. And I could have missed that, my calling, if I would have continued to say I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. So let me just tell you that your calling is present. It's not future. The the final thing I want you to know about is this, that your calling is a person, not a place. It's a person, not a place. Your calling is not something you do when it's someone you are. Your calling is not a destination where you are going to arrive someday. Your calling is a person who already lives on the inside of you. It's a person, not a place. Your calling is 100% fueled by God. Check that out. Your calling, remember, remember, we talked about this, that everything that was in God was in Jesus. Everything that's in Jesus is in you. You're 100% fueled by God. 100% 100% fueled by God in part, and, and our part is to position ourselves, to put ourselves in a position in such a way that when God calls you to action, that your only response, your only response, your first and only response is, here I am, Lord, send me, right? Like when God calls you to feed the homeless person, your only response is, here I am, Lord, send me. When God calls you to invest in that marriage and that couple, that's struggling, you say, here I am, Lord, send me. When God calls you to work with the addict that's a family member that has been an addict for so long and, and you don't know what to do and he calls you to invest in that addict, here I am, Lord, send me. It's never I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. It's always, here I am, Lord, send me. You see, it's not what you would do. It's what you can do with Jesus. Let me just say that again. It's not what you would do. It's what you can do with Jesus. Amen, pastor. Preach it. Too late, Steve. Too late. Let me just ask you this. Will you let God, will you let God work in your life through, in you and through you to accomplish his will for your life? Because God has a purpose and a plan and a calling on your life. And he's given you everything you need to fulfill that calling. So again, it's never, ever, I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. It's always, here I am, Lord. Send me.
Listen, Jesus knew a long time ago that we would get distracted. He knew that we would get distracted in 2023. He knew we'd get distracted in 1971. He knew we'd get distracted in 1920 and on and on and on. He knew that. And he knew this. Jesus knew that we would make excuses. He knew that at some point in our lives he would say, I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. And he knew that we would compare. And he knew that we would compare our lives to other people's lives. And he knew that we would forget our calling or the calling that he's placed on our lives.